What's good, everyone? Ryan here with episode number five of the Run Free Podcast. So excited to do this one with you guys. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about training and how do we build bridges uh, from wherever you're at to wherever you want to go, because uh, that's really kind of what I see my role as a coach being. But as before I get into that, just thought I'd give you guys a quick update what I've been up to lately. It's summertime. I don't know when this podcast is going to come out. But uh, right now it's June 25th and our kids, three of our kids are up at Sarah's grandparents' house and then our oldest daughter, Hannah, she's in geometry. So I'm like home by myself with Sarah and it's quiet and I'm like busting through my to-do list. feels kind of crazy. Usually this is the opposite of summer where I'm just in kid land the entire day. So uh, it's, 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 been nice but quiet i'm kind of ready to have my kids back home and go go explore with them a little bit kind of miss them a little bit but uh anyways been fun to get get down on the to-do list knock out some of those things yesterday my oldest daughter and i hana we we live out in the sticks here in flagstaff so we actually have a water cistern like who has water cisterns anymore i feel like i'm living in like biblical era or something like that but we have a water cistern and apparently has a crack and so Han and I had to climb down in there after we ran out of water we have to haul in our own water and be a water truck I don't personally do it pay someone to do it but um anyways we we had to go down in there we had to clean out our water cistern get all the water out of there dry it out and then yesterday we, we climbed back down in there and with the big old giant thing of uh sealant I think it's like hypoxico or something like that and it's this blue nasty sticky stuff and we had it we we, I, we just spilled it all out on the ground you have apparently like 20 minutes to put it everywhere you need it to go before it hardens and you can't put it anywhere else so we're like working like madman with rollers and paint brushes and there's paint flying everywhere so we both get out of there 20 minutes later and we look like smurfs i still look like a smurf i have like blue hypoxico all over me i have no idea if that's uh harmful or not but um anyways that was really random but i thought i'd share with you guys a little bit what i'm up to on the more exciting note heading to australia next weekend next weekend actually a week from now which is tuesday and uh, Sarah's running a half marathon there, which is uh, it's one of her favorites. It's where she has a personal record in the half marathon. And uh, we're, we're hoping to go knock it down um, in about 10 days from now. So it's been really exciting to see her kind of grow and have some good racing um, from, you know, Boston was not what we were hoping for, but she was coming off injury and only had about a five or six week buildup for that. So um, she was kind of playing with the short shorthand. Uh, but now she's she's just been putting together you know consistency workout after workout getting in better shape and um, doing some of the most impressive stuff I've ever seen her do up here so really really excited to see what she can do out in Australia hopefully we hit the right day hit the right conditions you know like in racing there's always a lot of factors that are totally outside your control but you're kind of just hoping and praying it's all going to come together on the day and hit that magical day and feel good and you know, roll out a big personal best. So that's what we're hoping for, but we're going to be grateful for whatever we get. Um, kind of learned to have open hands as we go into these big races, even though we have this kind of like underlying expectation. And I, I would say more of a hope that she's going to run a personal best, but yet we know like 
the day can play out in a lot of different ways. And um, we know it's going to be most beneficial for us if we just maintain a grateful attitude, uh, no matter what the results are. So that's kind of how we're going into it, our mindset going into it, but super excited for that trip. Um, but I hope your guys' training is going well. Hope everyone is is getting fit, getting in shape. And uh, yeah, excited to talk to you guys today about how we uh, build these bridges and get into the last of the five fingers. You know, I've kind of gone through four of them now. The last one one is just talking about training. So what I did is I just wrote out uh, different principles that I've kind of learned uh, throughout my career and actually principles I've learned from kind of great coaches that I've had the pleasure of being under uh, throughout my 20-year pro running career. And some of the things I learned from them that I want to share with you guys because they're super beneficial, super helpful for me to know as an athlete. And uh, and I want to relay that information, pass it on to you guys so that you can get the same benefit I got from these principles. And the reason why I call them principles is because for me, there's always this struggle between like following principles and following laws. And, uh, you know, let me explain a little bit about what I mean by that. Because by following laws, I'm not like talking about following the speed limit when I'm not driving. Although I do kind of struggle with that one. I'm currently working on that. Um, but. <laughs> I was like, I probably shouldn't have said that, but we're just gonna leave it in there because I don't, I don't like to edit my podcast. I like to just, just let them, let them roll out of me, and and uh, you know, if they're a little rough, a little raw, um, at least they're real, you know. So, anyways, oh man, I'm on a bunch of rabbit trails already, but anyways, so principles versus laws, and what I would find for myself is I'd get a schedule on whatever it was Sunday night usually, and have my whole week laid out for me. Sometimes even early on in my career, my dad would give me like three months of of work in advance of like the whole schedule for three months and uh i that became law to me like i had to follow that like if my foot was falling off like i would find a way to do the workout because it's prescribed on that day and i would do everything within my power to hit the exact splits he had written down and I've kind of observed and seen and learned to understand that that's just not a great way about going about training. Um, uh, coach Renato Canova, I worked with him briefly. He uh, coached Moses Mosop, a lot of the best Kenyan athletes in the world, a lot of the best marathoners ever. And I, one of the things he told me early on when we started working together, he's like, the training should follow the athlete, not the other way around. And that is so, so true, which is why we only prescribe one week of training at a time. Because so we need to be tweaking things like based on how you're feeling, um, based on how you're responding to training. Uh, based on workout results that we're seeing on your guys' logs. So um, super, super important that the training is tailor-made for where you're at week by week. And and even within the week, oftentimes when I'm coaching my athletes, I'll, I'll shift around uh, what's going on within their week based on you know the the last workout they did or how they're feeling on an easy day. I might give them an extra day if they need it. So anyways, these are principles I want you guys to follow. And principles are not like, hard set fasting concrete they're like ways of thinking about training and how we want to frame training in our mind how we want to operate they're the what i think about it mostly is like principles bend and flex they allow for individualization um laws don't laws are like you're either following it or you're not and so i've found a lot of freedom personally in following principles rather than following laws and uh you know 
there are certain laws like we got to follow as as a law abiding citizens of the United States of America, but or wherever wherever you're from listening in. Um, but that's you know what I want to talk about you guys is how what principles do we need to follow in training. So let's get let's jump into it after that long introduction to the topic. Uh, the first thing I wrote down uh, is just this principle of having evolving stimulus in your training. So we want you to feel like your first week of training is not that hard because it should just be a very small step from whatever you've currently been doing. And this is where people get in trouble is they try and bite off more than they can chew. You know, like they go from not training at all to trying to run five miles every day for six days of the week or something. And it's just, it's too big of a step. And not only is it too big of a step for your body physically and your risk of injury just goes through the roof when you do that. Um, I would also argue it's too much mentally. Like you need to mentally just be like, okay, I just need to do a little bit better today, or I just need to do a little bit more this week. I don't need to become Superman in one night. It just takes the pressure off of like, oh man, I got to rally so hard today. Like there are certain workouts and they're big workouts and, uh, and you are going to have to rally for them. You are going to have to get up for them. But in general, we want you guys to feel like you're almost not even noticing that your training is getting harder and harder. And then within that, like how I love to, to structure my training with my athletes is um, I love to build volume for two weeks and then take a down week. And so we go up for two weeks and then back down. And I call those those down weeks, weeks of absorption, because that's how I like to think about them, both as a coach as an athlete as well, is we're doing all this really hard work and then we need some time to just like let our body like absorb all that hard work we've been doing. And what I really like to do is in buildups on these down weeks, those are great weeks to race on. And so if you want to do a little tune-up race, a little build-up race, or just hop in a race because it sounds fun, doing it at the end of a down week is a great time to do it. It kind of gives you another excuse to kind of back down, absorb all the training you've been doing. And then what people usually find is they race, and then they feel even better after the race coming back into their training because they've just kind of let their body kind of catch up with everything they've been throwing at it. So with this evolving stimulus, we also want to have these weeks of adaptation in there, which you should see in your training plans that we're developing. All right, next uh, is another mistake I've I've made myself personally and also observed kind of in the running community, and that's uh, – just running every day kind of the same pace. So something my dad told me when I was first getting into sports, like make your easy days really easy, make your hard days really hard. And that is such sound, wise advice for runners from the very best guys in the world all the way down to just recreational runners. Like especially recreational runners, I think struggle with this more with even elite runners because say if your marathon pace is nine minutes per mile, then like you'll probably want to run 9:30 per mile on your easy days, you know? But you need to be going even slower than that. Like for example, if I'm training, I'm running 15 mile tempo runs at five minute pace, 7,000 feet. The next day I'm jogging 830 pace. So I'm running nearly three and a half minutes slower than marathon pace on my easy days. So that just kind of gives you an idea of, it doesn't have to be that drastic, you know, but we do want to see a really big separation and difference between 
how fast you're going on your easy days and how fast you're going on your hard days. And kind of the general rule you want to, or rule principle you want to follow is uh, just to listen to your body. You know, if your body feels like moving along, you're feeling good, that's fine, but you should never feel like you're working on your easy days. Like it should always be conversational. You should always finish feeling like you can go a lot further if you wanted to. You should finish feeling pretty good, although you might be kind of tired from the workout the day before, but you should kind of finish feeling almost better than when you started. So that's what I want you guys to think about when you're doing your easy days. Quick story on this one. I remember being in Europe, I believe it was, it was the year that Alan Webb was like on a tear and set the American record in the 15, or the mile rather, and was like popping big 800s and was just crushing it. And I was over in Europe, I was racing 5K on the track and he was he was also you know over there racing. I remember talking to him because we came through school together and we become friends and uh, I remember we were kind of just sharing stories about how like we've had our most success when we took our easy days the chillest. And we both of us had tried the whole like run your easy run at six minute pace deal and both of us were like we did not get optimal results off that can you get good results off moving along and are there periods of time when say you're not doing any workouts where you should be moving along a little more yes absolutely but in general when you're trying to bang workouts you can't be banging your easy days as well um so both of us were kind of just on the same page with that we're like man so important to take these easy days super easy and um take our easy days seriously in the sense that like we're going to make sure that we run these nice and slow nice and easy and really there is no slow too slow of a pace on easy day like listen to your body go as slow as you need to go um you know we've seen we've trained in kenya and ethiopia and those guys will go out for their 30 minute afternoon runs or their afternoon runs and most of the time they're going like painfully slow like super super slow because they're just trying to recover you know so when our emphasis on recovery we got to really listen to our bodies be tuned in with our bodies and make sure those easy days are easy all right moving on to the next one uh, and this was one that was super hard for me to learn um, but it's to be like bamboo bend but don't break and what I'm talking about here is kind of what I was talking about earlier with getting a training plan, be like, I have to hit this workout today because it's on the schedule for today. And we need to sometimes shift those workouts back. You know, like if you're feeling a little niggle in your foot, we can either take one day or two days easy now. Or we can roll the dice, do the workout anyways, and then maybe it's going to set you back two, three, four, six, eight weeks. Like we don't know how much it's going to set you back, but there, when you start running through stuff, you really are kind of gambling and, and rolling the dice and kind of hoping for the best. So I found that it's much better to just like, if you feel something, it's not quite right and got a little niggle or your stomach's a little messed up or you know, you're, you're just not feeling it. Like your energy's super low. It'd be better to just be like, tell, tell your coach, Hey, like, I just don't feel right today. I went out, I warmed up, just didn't feel right. And so I, I need to move my workout to tomorrow. And that's, that's totally fine. Like if you do that, you're gonna get more out of your workout when you do it, which is going to allow you to stress your body harder. And then your body's going to um, respond to that stress and, and you're going to just get that much more out of your workout. So we want you to maximize those workouts when we put them in there. So 
Don't be shy about moving those days if you need to. Don't be married to like, I have to follow this schedule no matter what. And that kind of leads to my next principle, which is just talking about communication with your coach and how important that is that you're just giving us as much feedback as you could possibly give us so that we can make the necessary tweaks. Because really, that's that's the art of coaching. Like, you know, anyone can get Jack Daniels' book or um, get, you know, all these different great uh, training material and, and books out there and follow a plan. But the, the art of it is tweaking it based on where you're at, your, based on your individual strengths and weaknesses and making it customized for you. And so, you know, we have, we have a training system that we really believe in that we believe is tried and true, but it needs to be implemented correctly and we can only do that if we're getting a lot of communication from you guys i mean we want communication about like hey like more important to me like athletes will oftentimes write in what their splits were for certain workouts and if they don't write in like i felt dot 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 if they don't write that in i almost always be like how'd it feel because i'm more concerned about how did the workout feel than you actually hitting the splits and i'm more concerned about you running the perfect effort level for that workout than you running faster than i'd prescribed or hitting the exact splits i've prescribed all right how you guys doing i'm doing good <laughs> so it's kind of weird to talk to yourself. I'm talking to my phone right now, but really, there's all these people listening in theory, hopefully. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Uh, anyways, next principle, uh, believe in what you're doing. And this one is super important. It, it's kind of similar to placebo effect, you know? Like, you know that there's been studies where people... And this seems like not right, like not a cool study to do. But um, they took a group of people who had like knee problems and like half of them, they like pretended like they did surgery on their knee, but they really like didn't do anything. Like they maybe they like cut them or something and then just stitched it back up. And then the other group, like they didn't do anything to. And so then they're comparing like the the results to the quote-unquote surgery and they found that like there was a greater like sense of like pain relief and recovery and this thing actually whatever the problem was the knee problem the knee issue having it actually get resolved even though like the surgeons didn't do anything (laughs) which is crazy like the power of believing in what is being done to you or in what you're doing. And I see this all the time when I talk to my athletes, like that's one of the first things I like to talk about is like, I need you to believe in what we're doing. I need you to be completely bought in. Like that's kind of your role as the athlete is just to like really believe in your workouts. And a lot of that falls back on the coach, you know, our own credibility, but also like us doing a good job of explaining this is why we're doing this workout. This is what we're trying to accomplish. This is the goal of this workout. When you know those things, it becomes a lot easier to believe in what you're actually doing. So if you feel like you're not getting that from your coach, reach out to them and be like, hey, like, can you like just tell me more about like why I'm doing these workouts and why this is important, how this is going to make me grow? Because it's really important you know those things when you're out there doing these workouts so you can pour yourself completely in it and and believe in it with all your heart all right next one's a little bit more uh just kind of nuts and bolts um but something that again i see a a lot of runners do wrong and uh, that is on your easy runs should all be done on soft surfaces by soft surfaces i mean on dirt or grass 
Um, so this is to kind of avoid the pounding on the body because obviously running, that's, that's kind of the biggest thing that causes a lot of injuries is, is the pounding. You know, you look at running versus cycling and it's like cycling, there's so many less injuries and yet those guys train for so much longer and so much more intensely. It's because there's no pounding on the body. So we want to limit the amount of pounding on your body. So if you have access to grass, to dirt trails, to dirt roads, run on those. And you see this with the pro running community. Almost everyone across the board does all their easy runs on dirt surfaces. So there's definitely something to it. Uh, Say if you live in the city, you don't have access to those things. Maybe there's a dirt shoulder. Maybe there's a grass shoulder. Whenever there is, try and hop up on that and run on that little shoulder. If they don't have that and you have to choose between asphalt and concrete, choose asphalt. Turns out asphalt is 10 times softer than concrete. And you can totally feel that. Just like go jump up and down on the sidewalk and jump up and down on the asphalt. And like you can feel asphalt's a little bit softer. So that does every little bit makes a difference. Another thing that that group of people can do, and even like if you are running on soft surfaces, what I would always do when I was training is on my easy days, I used to uh, train in the gel cumulus, which is a really, uh, the Asics gel cumulus, which is a really cushiony shoe. And uh, that would just give me a little bit more cushion, limit the amount of pounding on my body a little bit more. And I know that there is some research out there that's like, there's really no difference in the amount of pounding on your body on a cushion-based shoe versus a minimal shoe. But that's just one of those scientific things where I'm like, that might be scientifically shown, but that's not what I'm observing. And that's not what I've personally experienced in the real world. Like for me, whenever I trained in minimal shoes, I got hurt almost every single time. And even though I was like trying to do it right, transition to it super slow, get my body used to it, but I would get hurt every time. And, uh, and this is something you see with the pro athlete running community, like they do their easy runs in, in a lot bigger shoes than they're doing their fast runs in. So, um, I think that's just a good solid principle to follow. All right. Um, next one, I want to talk about tracking progress. This is super important that, that you guys do pay attention to. And, and here's the thing with tracking progress. Make sure you track your bad workouts as well as your good workouts. So keeping a running log is great. And, uh, you know, if you're on training peaks, that's kind of your running log. But it's just a great thing to have so that you can look back and measure uh, progress and, and you can see how much you've improved. And I was talking to Hannah, my oldest daughter about this today. She did like a four mile threshold and I was looking back at her old training log. And I was like, look, like last time we did a threshold, you averaged like 620 pace. And today you average 609 pace. Like, look how much you've grown. And then she gets all excited about that. You know, she's like, Oh man, yeah, I'm doing good. Like I'm getting better. And then she starts getting excited and then it, it just builds this ball of momentum. So we definitely want to track what you guys are doing. And we make sure, like I said, you track your bad workouts as well. Cause I know for me, like all, I always write down my good workouts, whether I'm in the weight room or running, but I'm, I never want to record the bad ones, you know, 
um kind of like the egyptians when they kept track of their history i guess they would only record the good things that happened but in order to like get a true picture of your guys progress we need we need to see those bad workouts as well and we need to look back through that from time to time and identify the things that we think contributed to those bad workouts or the things that are contributing to your growth or your lack of growth like it's just so so important that we're tracking progress so make sure you guys are doing a good job of um, filling in your workout and your workout results and times and splits and all that stuff all right next principle and this one is to push when you're feeling good and do less when you're not feeling it so this one was hard for me because like i said if i saw a workout on written on a page it had to be done i had to complete it you know but really this is not that that's not a good mindset to have with workouts so what i want you guys to do with your training is if you're feeling really good like finish the workout feel free to go faster than prescribed like like you don't always unless it's before race so i guess unless the coach is specifically like absolutely no faster in this because i will do that in the with my athletes i'm training from time to time um but for the most part if you're feeling good and you want to run faster like please do so and so i like to when i'm like on a bike biking with athletes they're feeling really good man i'm gonna throw maybe a little bit more at them add some volume to it have them go a little bit faster if they're not feeling good i might cut out a couple intervals i might make that tempo one or two miles short or one thing i like to do with uh, threshold runs in particular say if you have an eight mile threshold and you're off you know you're just like not even close to the pace that we're trying to hit and you're just not feeling right more than anything what i'd do with you if i was out on the bike with you I'd be like all right we're gonna stop at mile six take a break take two three minutes whatever you need collect yourself get yourself ready for the rest of this threshold and then we're going to go back and finish it out um so giving yourself a little breaks is not a sign of weakness it's not like oh i'm so bad i took a break in the middle of my workout and it wasn't written in there no 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 like that's just being smart so I want you guys to be smart. If you're not feeling good, make alterations to your workouts. It's okay. Like you don't have to ask for permission. Um, unless, like I said, if the coach puts a speed limit on there and is like no faster than this pace, like that's for a very specific reason. Maybe you have a race coming up or maybe he or she wants you feeling really good for the next workout. So do pay attention to that. Um, but if that's not on there, feel free to, to make some adjustments uh, according to how you're feeling. All right, next principle is about consistency. And consistency is king. And make yourself get out the door. And this is one that I'd have to tell myself all the time because I remember when I was running professionally, oftentimes is is usually in the afternoon when I'd have a really hard time getting out the door. I just woke up from like a two-hour nap. I'm like all out of it. And I just don't feel like going for a jog, you know. But I'd always be like... You're lacing up your shoes. You're going to get out there. You're going to start running. If you're not feeling good, then okay, like come back home, you know? But always just like make yourself get out there because oftentimes, and I don't think I ever, or I actually I did, but I would rarely do that where I'd go out for a run and be feeling terrible and then just walk home. Like that, that didn't happen very often for me. Usually I got out there, I felt good felt better as i finished the run and i was really happy that i got out there so make sure that you guys are kind of just not giving yourself the option when when your motivation is lacking you got to be tell yourself like there is no choice like i am getting out the door there is going to be some modifications i'm going to listen to my body once i'm out there but the choice or the matter of getting out the door is not 
open to discussion. Like it's going to happen. And this is something that I used to talk about when I was coaching high school cross country uh, with my kids. I tell them, we find an excuse to work out. Because usually like people are finding excuses for why they didn't get their workout in. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like we are the opposite of that. We find an excuse to work out. So like some of my kids, they had a field trip. I think a class field trip one day. And they uh, they were, weren't going to have time to run in the morning. They were leaving at like 6 a.m. or something. So a couple of my freshman kids were like, hey, coach, we're going to get up at 3 a.m. and do our workout so that we make sure we get it in before we go. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Like you take that kind of mentality, and I don't care if you put it towards running, you put it towards business, you put it towards your kids, your family, your home, all that. Like you have that kind of mentality, like good things are going to happen to you. Like you're that's finding a way, you know, like that is going to serve you for the rest of your life. So find a way. And, it, and what I do, how I practically do this is before I go to bed at night, I look at my calendar. You know, now, before this wasn't really a problem before when I wasn't coaching, didn't have kids and a lot of different things going on in my life. But um, what I do is I go to bed, look at my calendar for the next day, and I look and s- scroll through there and be like, okay, when am I going to fit in my workout? And so I go to bed that night knowing this is the time that I'm going to hit my workout because if I look at my calendar and there's no time, then I'm just going to have to get up as early as I need to get up to get in the workout. So, but you you can't do that if you just wake up in the morning, it's eight o'clock, you roll out of bed and you're like, oh, dang, I have no time to do my workout today. And I slept in. So now I missed like that that's just poor planning you know so look at your calendar the day before the night night you go to bed figure out when are you getting in your workout uh the day before all right next principle we're getting through them guys there's just a couple more here uh keep adding weight to the bar so this is something that I talked about in my book, and I think it's just so, so important. that I've learned not only in the weight room but also running in general is it's kind of like the whole like P90X thing where it's like throwing different uh, stimulant stimul- – not stimulants <laughs> – stimulus at your body that's not used to and how your body like super adapts when you throw something new think about like for example if you haven't done weights in a really long time and you pick it and you all of a sudden you're like i'm gonna do some bench press and you hop in there and do some bench press or curls or whatever you're doing and then you're just like lit up super sore because your body's like super adapting to that stress that it's totally not used to and it's kind of the same way with uh with training is that we need to find ways to keep adding additional stress onto your training load so we can do that you know obviously by running more miles by increasing the intensity um what i like to do in the weight room is i'll throw on more weight than i can handle and i'll just do partial reps um and so you could think about this in the running world as like doing interval work so for example like oftentimes i'll have my athletes do threshold runs and i'm like okay today's a 10 mile threshold at your current marathon pace and i just need you to run you know your current F the the if you were to race a marathon today the the pace that you could hold for an entire marathon but then there's other days and i'm like okay we need to add some weight onto that and so i'll be like okay today we're working at goal marathon pace so maybe it's 10 seconds per mile quicker than your current fitness pace but you know obviously you can't do that for 10 miles straight yet so we're going to 
turn it into kind of threshold intervals where we're going to do three by three mile and then a one mile hard at the end or something like that where we're giving ourselves breaks so that we can actually accomplish these workouts but we're doing it at a, a much higher intensity level and we're doing what i'm talking about doing like we're adding weight to the bar we're throwing something new the the level of intensity is coming up a lot but we are making it doable by putting in that extra rest that you might need so just keep that in mind like if you ever feel like you're in a training rut and you've just been doing the same thing over and over and over again number one you're probably not having fun number two you're just probably not seeing great physical results from that because your body's just, it's totally adapted. It's it, its totally cool with what you're doing, but it's not going to change, you know, because it needs something new to force it to change, to force it to grow, to force it to get stronger. All right, next one is just talking about, you know, kind of our foundation. Like what is our foundation as runners? Um, and that kind of comes Back to something that I think most coaches in the United States, distance coaches, would agree with. And that comes back to your aerobic threshold. So all I mean by that is like how strong are you? How how what pace can you hold for a 10 mile threshold or for an eight mile threshold? Or if you're just starting out, maybe it's just like a two mile threshold. But it's building this aerobic aerobic just means like with air so you're never going anaerobic where you're without air like you are able to run at a pretty fast pace and still be in the aerobic range um so this can get like kind of i don't want to fully launch into the specifics and complexity of of anaerobic versus aerobic but i just want to say that we build off of how strong aerobically we can get you so you'll just notice when you're training like we spend a lot of time doing base building um for marathoners it's slightly different for everyone else uh even half marathon all the way down to mile i like to start with base building so that'll just look like traditional volume for a while and then doing a lot of threshold work fart licks hill sprints stuff like that long runs uh sub max threshold runs uh, to build that really big aerobic base and then we kind of th- start throwing in some intervals and we build your your uh, specific 5k 10k half marathon fitness from that strength uh, in the marathon's a little bit different because basically it's in reverse so rather than building a big base and then doing even more base training like because marathon training is basically base training so it doesn't make sense to just do base training all the time so what uh terrence matt and my coach uh when i was running would have me do is start with 5k training so this is after a marathon i'd run my marathon i take two week break i'd come back with 5k i'd do like a week or two just like general running to just kind of get used to running again and then uh and then get straight into like 5k specific training i'd do like an eight week uh 5k specific block and then i'd build off of that up to 10k and then half marathon and then i'd start my 12 to 14 week marathon specific block so for marathoners it's a little bit different in how we like to go about it um because i i love that i think it just makes a ton of sense for marathoners but then you know for those like i said who aren't marathoners we're going to start with that giant base that we want to lay down and uh, give you that huge foundation to work from 
All right, uh, next one is just never stray too far away from speed. So this is kind of the opposite of what I was just talking about. Um, but it is really important that as we increase your volume and how much you're running, we also are always hitting on like good running mechanics and we're always working on your foot speed because it's really easy to lose your foot speed, especially as you get older. So this is something we need to hit all the time. So when I was doing my marathon training, like I'd be doing 50 meter hill sprint on Mondays and it wasn't a workout it was I'd do like eight of them and take like 10 minutes or something you know um it was just a way to get my muscles neurologically firing so they're feeling good for the workout the following day um and it's also building power in my in my stride and and keeping that foot speed because if if think about it this way like if your foot speed says for me I'm trying to average uh, 445 pace per mile for a marathon. So that's, you know, 70, was that 71s, uh, 71 second quarters. So if I can only, if, if my max sprint speed for one 400 meters is like 68, I'm not gonna be able to run 71s for an entire marathon, you know? So your sprint speed is directly correlated to even how fast you can run a marathon. So just keep that in mind as you see these strides, um, you see hill sprints on your training plan, like take those seriously because we really need to make sure that your sprint speed is staying as fast as it can possibly be. Uh, and that should be year round throughout your training um, from start to finish. You should always be kind of hitting on speed. All right, next one is uh, hills are your friends. Uh, this is one, you know, I talk about doing short hill sprints is a really great workout. Another workout that I love to do uh, is doing these long uphill runs. And so they'll be like anywhere from four miles all the way up to, I think I've done as long as nine mile uphill runs before. And you're just gradually, you know, kind of pounding away uphill at like on like a 7% incline give or take uh, for that amount of time. And why I love these workouts is they set up the next workout really well because you can get, you have your heart rate high. It's like as high as it would be as if you're running say nine mile threshold uh, flat. Yet the amount of pounding on your, on your legs is a lot, lot less. So I always came out of these like feeling like I got a really good cardiovascular workout, but also it set me up to, to, uh, have a really great workout for my next big workout that it was my one workout of the week that I'm really emphasizing. Kind of on that note, speaking of that, uh, however many workouts you have in the week, you don't want to feel like they're all like A workouts. So like for example, at Stanford, we'd have an A workout, a B workout, and a C workout. So our A workout obviously is the one you're trying to hit. And like it's the one that's most specific for the race that you're preparing for. The B workout is like a good solid effort, good solid workout, but not quite as important as the A workout. The C workout oftentimes for us, you know, would just be like a easy long run. So you're putting in the time, putting in the distance, but um, not the intensity level is pretty low on that. So you want to kind of feel like that kind of rhythm within your week as well. Be like, there's one workout this week. I'm going to really get up for it, really nail it. Another one, you know, like I'm going to go do a good solid job. Another one's going to be like somewhat of a chill workout. Um, and not that everyone's gonna have three workouts in their week. Like I said, everyone's a little different in terms of spacing, how much space you need between your workouts, but that's kind of the general principle I want you guys to have. 
Um, so anyways, going back to the hills and these uphill runs, just make sure that you do not run down the hill. So if you're doing these uphill runs, like have your family go for a hike at the top of the hill or something, give you a ride back down afterwards. Or, you know, most people end up just doing these on the treadmill because it's just logistically a lot easier. Just pop into a gym or if you have a treadmill at your house, sit on an incline, you run, and then, you know, you can warm up and cool down outside even. Um, but that way you don't have to run back down because running back down just de- destroys your quads and you're gonna be a wreck for a while after that so definitely do not run down um on those those long uphill thresholds all right two more guys so next one is uh work on your weakness while maximizing your strength this is something my dad taught me when i was getting into the sport and just made a ton of sense and i experienced it to be true uh, throughout my career where i'd say for myself my my strength what made me a good runner was my aerobic capacity um you know like endurance just came really natural really easy for me my weakness would be like speed and track specific speed um for the most part like i'd have to train for a really long time to get in really good mile shape or really good 5k shape yet i could almost always go out and pop a threshold run or um, you know, run a, a good long run and feel good and have fun doing it. And that's kind of how you know what you're good at is like, what, what workouts do you enjoy doing? Like, do you dread the track sprints, the track intervals, or do you dread the long runs? And those are kind of like the two spectrums. It's like, based on your answer to that question, we know like, well, this is probably, you probably like this workout cause you're good at it. You know, usually we, we like the things we're good at. And so knowing that information is super helpful for us because we want to make your strength, what makes you good, what you enjoy about running. We want that to grow the most. We want to emphasize that. We want to nurture that. We want to cultivate that. But at the same time, we always kind of want to be, um, in the in the back kind of working on your on your weakness you know and so for example say like for me like in hindsight if i could go back and do it all differently i probably would just do one marathon a year and then just focus on the 5k for track season um to work on my speed because the further i got away from my 5k fitness the the worse my half marathon was and the worse my marathon was yet i did not like doing the track stuff and this is kind of what coaches are for it's like they kind of make us do things that we don't want to do that we don't feel like doing that maybe we don't necessarily enjoy doing but they know and we know like i knew this even myself like i knew that i needed to get myself in good 5k shape but i was just like never wanting to trade you know a spring marathon the boston marathon is usually where i'd go in the spring i'd never want to trade that for a track season you know yet looking at like you know, me achieving my max potential in the marathon, I had to have that 5k speed. And when I lost it, like it was a downward slope from there. So there are going to be times and seasons um, where we might be like, all right, this is a 5k specific training block. Even though you're getting ready for a marathon, like we need to get your 5k as fast as possible. And this isn't probably going to be your most favorite block of training, but we need you to understand why it's so important so that you can do a really great job and pour yourself into it, knowing that it's going to help your strength. It's, it's going to come up and support your strength because you've been working on your weakness. All right. Last thing is uh, just to switch things up and that training should always have an element of fun. 
this is huge. My dad used to tell me, he's like, happy feet make light feet. And that that's so true. It's like, if you're not enjoying your training, like that's something that we need to know about. And so, you know, let us know, be like, Hey, this isn't fun for me. Um, I'm just not enjoying my running right now. And don't do it based off one workout. You know, you got to kind of look at the big picture and be like, the last month, like I just haven't been enjoying my running. And so then we need to think through ways that we can make it fun again. Do we need to switch up your workouts? Do we need to switch up where you're doing your training at? Like what can we change to make this fun again for you? Because if you're having fun, number one, you're going to be consistent. You're going to get out there. You're going to do what you like to do because it's fun. You know, you want to look forward to your workouts. And it's okay to be nervous for workouts. Like, I think that is kind of fun to be nervous, you know, and be like, whoa, this is a big one. I don't know if I can do this. Um, that's that's part of the journey. That's something we need to embrace and something I'm going to talk later on in this podcast. Um, but, yeah, it should just – your your training should always be – have an element of fun to it. And, uh, and sometimes it takes a little bit of creativity of how to find that element of fun. You maybe you need to find different people to work out with, work out a different time of day when your energy is better. Um, all this kind of things, all these kind of things can help you just, um, keep things fresh, keep it fun. All right, guys. Well, we got through them all. Those are the major principles that I've experienced throughout my career and observed in the running community um, to be super helpful as we approach our training, as we approach building these bridges from wherever you're at to where you want to go. Um, so kind of looking forward into future episodes, man, I have like 30 different podcasts written down. I have a giant whiteboard that I have in my garage, which, which is also my gym. Um, and I have all these ideas I've written down. I, I'll do like a set of weights and then I'll be thinking about, oh, I want to talk about this and then I'll get all excited and write it down so I don't forget because I forget things super quick. So anyways, I got a whole list of things I want to go through with you guys. Um, <laughs> Everything from talking, mainly it's focused on like what's going on in your heart, your mind, your spirit, and how we can pull on these things to to get you to become the best version of you. And so we're going to talk about thankfulness, childlikeness, um, being being bold. Uh, We're going to talk about healthy comparison and what that looks like Um, and a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm really, really excited to dive in uh, with you guys on. Uh, with that said, if you have any questions, comments, things you'd like me to talk about, um, feel free to email me, ryan at runfreetraining.com. Those go directly to me. I'll be the res- one responding to you on that. But would just love to hear from you guys and, uh, and hear hear your war stories here, how things are going, and then also just to, to um, get, get some direction from you guys on the direction you'd like this podcast to go. And I'm really excited to, to keep putting these out for you guys. And, uh, man, happy training to you guys. Uh, have fun this week in your training. Uh, laugh a lot, smile a lot, and uh, get the most out of every day. All right, guys, signing off. Until next time, happy training.